stories about crime, love, triumph, and adversity. I'm your host and author, Basaksahar. We call our episodes Shorts, short for short story, and all the shorts you will hear on this podcast are fictional. That is, the names, characters, places, and events are the pure product of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to an actual person, dead or alive, or actual events are purely coincidental. We were off last hump Wednesday due to travel, so we apologize for not releasing a short last week, but we are back in the saddle and ready to go. The short you're about to hear discusses crime, murder, and contains adult language that may be sensitive to some. Listener discretion is advised. Now let's get to a new short entitled, The Argument. You are now entering into chapter one, two sides of the coin. Meet Andre, a 35-year-old civil lawyer who specializes in corporate law. He currently lives in Washington, D.C. with his dog Pablo, a golden retriever with a slight limp in his right hind leg because his previous owner abused him. Andre has never been married, he has no children, and despite his mother pestering him about giving her grandchildren, Andre has absolutely no desire to have children. For him, it's not necessarily because he is adverse to being a father, but it's the complications that come with being a father, mostly driven by what he experienced and saw growing up with his family and friends. That is the only reason why he's decided that for him, being a parent is not a top priority. Growing up in Detroit, Michigan, Andre had a rough but loving childhood. He understood that his neighborhood may have been deemed low class to working class, but the love within his single family home was enough to be shared amongst several families. However, too often while growing up, he saw what is frequently referred to as baby mama and baby daddy drama. Primarily, he experienced this from watching his older brother Cliff, who by 20 had four children by four different women, But Andre always felt and thought that each female might as well have been cut from the same cloth because the drama associated with Cliff was all the same. It was the same story. One of the baby mothers, and it didn't matter which one it was, would say to Cliff, you ain't shit. Or another one probably would retort, if you don't do this, I ain't gonna let you see your son or daughter, depending on which baby mother was involved. Or... You better not have that skank around my child. To Andre, it was just too much. He did not want to bring a child into an environment where the tension between the two consenting adults would be extremely unhealthy and dramatic for the innocent child involved. From Andre's perspective, too often parents who separate are so at odds with each other that despite the fact that they both claim to love the child or children involved, they do absolutely nothing to abate the drama to avoid any negative effects upon the innocent child or children involved. So Andre chose what he considered to be the simple route, to avoid any situation where there could potentially be an offspring, to avoid a situation where there could be dysfunctional parenting between him and whoever he had the child with. Rightly or wrongly, Andre believed that he was doing his due diligence in avoiding having to possibly be labeled as a bad parent or having to label another person as a bad parent by simply not having children. To him, it was just not a healthy situation to be in and was simply inconsistent with 
what he believed to be his core values. So, despite his mother pestering him, Andre decided children just wasn't for him. He also didn't want to have to sacrifice his profession, his personal travel life, or his emotions. I mean, it's bad enough that he had to find a sitter for Pablo whenever he needed to go away for work, or if he wanted to take a weekend trip with the fellas to Ocean City or perhaps Myrtle Beach, and just didn't want to be bothered with tugging and traveling with Pablo. Andre figured that life was just easier with him, his work, and Pablo. The perfect trilogy. One spring Tuesday morning, while sitting at his desk in his DuPont Circle Law office, a posh corner office overlooking parts of D.C., Andre was flipping through his Apple News app, and he saw this headline. 23-year-old Mexican man accused of killing a family of four in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Damn, Andre said to himself. Is this yet another senseless gun shooting? When would Congress get its shit together and do something about this nonsense? Andre knew that he had a busy schedule ahead of him today, so he hit the save for later option on the Apple News app so that he can read about this crime that occurred nearly 1,900 miles away whenever he had the opportunity or can sneak in a quick break to read the news. Just as Andre was putting his phone down to turn to his computer to see what fires he had awaiting for him on today's docket, there was a slight knock on the door. Come in, Andre said pleasantly. Just then, Miss Angela, his secretary, opened the door. She peeped her head through the crack of the door she made when she opened it, her smile radiant as always, and said, Roger wants to see you in his office in five minutes. Oh, wait, not his office, the conference room. Does he now? Andre said. Should I start packing now or do I have time? He retorted jokingly. Angela said, perhaps we could hold off on packing your office sugar until next week. She smiled gently. But for now, should I get you a blind flat white from Peeps Creek Cafe? Andre started to stand up in order to look for some files and while looking for the stag file, which Andre knew Roger wanted to meet about. Miss Angela, you always know how to take care of me. What would I do without you? Miss Angela responded by saying, probably wouldn't have made it this far, would you, huh? Touche, touche, Miss Angela. You're definitely right about that. But absolutely, I would love a blonde flat white if it's not too much of a hassle, Andre said. Now, you know, I don't just ask things just to ask them, honey. It's not a hassle at all. I'll bring it right on over. By the way, make sure you meet him in the conference room, Angela said, smiling as she closed the door. Andre realized that despite the fact that he has known Miss Angela since he began working at the firm, he never asked her about her personal life. Not because he was not interested, but because he felt that it was not the proper thing to ask a woman who didn't volunteer it herself. I mean, growing up in Detroit, Michigan, his mother would have cold slapped him in the face asking a lady if she had any kids. And if she didn't, why not? All Andre knew was that he appreciated Miss Angela. She was like his D.C. mother, always ensuring that he had lunch, always asking if he needed a snack, some water or coffee, always asking if he had the opportunity to work out and so forth and so on. Not because she was his secretary, but because she genuinely cared about his well-being. No matter if she had children or not, Andre thought, she either is or would be 
and awesome mother. Stag, a large corporation based in Delaware, was vying to purchase two smaller corporations to continue its expansion in the area of information technology. With goals of being as large as Google and Apple, but of course on the East Coast, Stag has become pretty aggressive with its acquisitions lately. And this was Andre's largest and admittedly most annoying client. They had everyone at the firm up in arms. Yes, they paid well, but Andre thought that the senior partners, particularly Roger, catered too much to their every whimper. I mean, if the CEO of Stag sneezed in Delaware, Roger expected Andre to call them and say, bless you. But then again, Andre probably would do just that if asked because he also knew Stag paid well. And for the most part, they were professional to him. And they allow him to use his contracting skills often, even though Roger always wanted to take the spotlight when it came to matters relating to Stag. Nevertheless, this was Andre's bread and butter. This permitted him to live comfortably, to be able to travel, to be able to dine lavishly if he wanted to, and to be able to have a sufficient savings. Well, scratch that, a great savings. Yet, intrinsically, he couldn't help but feel as if something was missing. Something just didn't seem complete. But Andre could never pinpoint the lack of completeness. So like most individuals in Andre's predicament, he simply shrugged off the feelings and continued to push through day to day and do what he had to do. And today was no different than any other day. I mean, Andre had a job to do and needed to be on his A-game. So he pushed his feelings of emptiness aside, grabbed his iPad. I mean, who even uses pen and paper anymore anyway? He grabbed his stack file. That's the gateway to everything anyone needs to know about his client. And he walked out of his office. As he walked down the hall of the law firm, he noticed that all of the pictures of the important individuals associated with the firm, you know, the previous owners, the retired partners, those who were considered of counsel, which is pretty much just a fancy way of saying that this person gets a paid a whole lot of damn money to lend their name and occasional expertise to the law firm. And then, of course, the current partners and manager partners. And Andre noticed as he walked past these pictures, all of them were non-minorities. And in fact, none of them were even women. As Andre passed the photos, he wondered if any of his hard work would ever truly be rewarded with this firm. Was this a firm that, you know, acclimated to the culture that anyone who's successful can be successful within the firm? Was it an organization that would be conducive to actually having his face placed on the wall one of these days? Admittedly, Andre really didn't know. But he realized that it was important for him to not overthink things because he had a bad habit of doing that. And at this moment, at this time, no matter what the answer really was, as he walked down the hall, did it really even matter? He opened two large doors that looked like they were flown from Italy or somewhere fancy like that. And the doors opened into a large conference room with too many damn glass windows overlooking DuPont Circle. Sitting at the massive oak conference table in the middle of the room that could comfortably sit 40 individuals easily was Roger with a notepad and pen. Andre thought to himself, obviously at least one damn dinosaur still uses a pen and pad. Roger said in a cheerful voice, Have a seat, Andre. Always good to see you. We could have met in my office or yours, but I figured we could just meet halfway in this conference room. Plus, 
We spend all this money on this damn conference room, and we rarely ever use it for work-related matters. We only really use it to impress our current and potential clients anyway. Andre smiled and said, Well, thanks, boss, but I must admit, you know, using this room also makes others believe that you're providing me with my walking papers. Roger gave him a slight smirk. Well, I guess they will have to be disappointed for today, assuming you are able to make these acquisitions for Stag go smoothly. But given your track record, I have no doubt that everything will go as planned. Yet, the CEO is just chopping at the bits to ensure that his tech acquisitions go off without a hitch. You know how that goes. Just as he said that, Angela came in and dropped off Andre's blind flat white in front of him and walked out of the conference room. Andre sipped some of his drink, looked at Roger and said, Yeah, but so far all of the proposed contracts have been submitted to our security electronic drop box, but I have not had the chance to read them over and redline them as the last set was just actually sent over this morning. We of course would need to discuss with Stag if the acquisitions will include acquiring the tech company's talent or it's just simply acquiring the rights to proprietary information and customer base. But if anyone were to ask me, which I'm certain Stag would, I think at this time it's best to actually use the staff and pull them over because this is the first time that Stag has actually operated in the technological business realm, at least in the forefront. And plus, and plus, what better way to send a great message to the current loyal customers of both organizations than saying, we believe so much in the products of these organizations, we're keeping the talent pool, and our name combined with this talent is just going to take the organization further make the products better, and make the services more superior. If anyone asks me, I think that would be the best route. Roger responded, Andre, to be honest, I really haven't given it much thought, but from what you just told me, I'm in agreement with that position. I think that makes the best business sense. Andre nodded. Roger continued, so once you go through the contracts and you make all of your red lines, let's reconvene to discuss any proposed changes. Thanks for being on top of this. Absolutely, Andre responded. Roger began standing up, an obvious signal that the meeting was over. As he was gathering his pad and pen, Andre asked, Boss, can, can I ask you a question off the record? Of course, Roger said. Do you ever volunteer pro bono to help individuals who normally would not be able to afford your services? Like, do you ever feel like you're missing something? That sometimes you, you know, you feel like you're just dealing with numbers and acquisitions, but not really people. Roger looked at Andre with a slight puzzled look on his face. Scratched his head. Well, to be honest, Andre, no, I've not. I mean, I give money to my bar association so that folks can afford someone, not necessarily me, but at least the money can assist them with obtaining reasonably and effective counsel. To me, I feel like I'm doing the right thing by doing that. Andre wasn't surprised by that entirely privileged response, but, but thanked Roger for his honesty and told him that he understood. Blah, blah, blah. Same old bullshit, Andre thought to himself. 
But Andre couldn't help but feel that someone somewhere needed his abilities. And it was not to write and or review some shitty contracts for a faceless corporation's acquisition of another faceless corporation with the end goal of that company becoming the head honcho, blah, 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 blah. And not really caring at the end of the day about the people who potentially are impacted the most by the mergers, the workers. Andre grabbed his things, including his blonde flat white, and walked back to his office. As he was walking, his mind went back to thinking about that family of four in Albuquerque who were killed. He felt bad. He felt pity. And he thought about the Mexican man accused of the crime. And even though that individual was accused of the crime, he didn't feel anger. He just felt emptiness. He walked and he thought. And that feeling of emptiness just continued to rush and rush and rush at him. Perhaps that feeling of emptiness was related to him not having a family or not being a father. Or perhaps it was the fact that he just felt like he needed to help others. He recalled the quote from a museum or some freaking art show that he attended. And one of the quotes on one of the pieces said, some people stand for themselves, but stronger people stand for others. Andre thought to himself, where do I fit in in this statement? Like normal, and at least for now, he struggled off those feelings. He continued to walk towards his office. And once inside, he closed the door, locked in his chair, turned to his computer screen, and simply stared. All right, my friends out there in podcast Lundia, it is time for this short to end. So until we meet again, remember here at Shorts by Peeps Creek, we tell original stories dedicated to crime, love, triumph, and adversity. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory, and be sure to tell a friend. You can send tips, feedback, or other ideas about how the next chapter in this short should unfold by sliding into my DMs on Instagram at Basaxaheart, or you can also leave a message at 202-618-0043, or you can send a text there. You can also visit us at the website at Peeps Creek, that's spelled P E E P S C R E E K dot com. All the music for the podcast is created by my brother Crazy Drake out of Detroit, Michigan for Blazing Heat Music. And until next time, here at Peeps Creek Cafe, we will continue to listen, drink, create, and converse. As always, peace and love.